Welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church community here in Yankton, South Dakota. Our episode today is from our series, Happy Days. Does worshiping God bring joy to your life? Is Sunday morning a struggle, or is it the highlight of your week? In this series, Happy Days, we will walk through the letter to the Philippians and discover the wonderful gift of joy which God has placed in all those who love Him. Those are wonderful testimonies, and that's what it means to be the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what Celebrate Church is, and today we're going to celebrate what you have done to be the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. I've been thinking about the last 18 months. By the way, I forgot to give you my name, didn't I? I was so excited when I heard the testimonies. I'm Joanne Lyon. I'm the former general superintendent of the Wesleyan Church, and it's been a joy to be with you all these years. And also the founder of World Hope International. I'm just old, so I've done a lot of stuff. And uh, it's so wonderful to, to partner with you in World Hope in Liberia, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But I just want to say to you, thank you. The last 18 months in the United States and the world, literally the world, COVID has hit the world, as you know, has been very unsettling. In fact, I've just written a chapter for a book called When the Universe Cracks. <laughs> And in a sense, that's what we've experienced these last 18 months. The universe is cracked. We don't quite know what to do. Nobody does. Nobody has a great, straight plan. Oh, I know what this is all about. And you know what? I think God planned it that way because he wants us to depend upon him. We always think, you know, we've got that strategic plan. We know what's next. We know what the next thing is, the next thing. Well, sometimes God, not sometimes, many times God interrupts our strategic plan to give us his strategic plan. And it takes time. And it takes time to listen. And it takes time to know, wait a minute, and things are changing and things aren't going to go back to the way they are because God wants to do something new. And that's what he's doing here. And I'm excited about what you're doing in the future. But you know, during these times, what I've I've noticed what you've done during these times of uncertainty, I have noticed your outreach, what I just saw. And you have been living the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and your neighbor as yourself. That's the great commandment. Jesus himself gave it. It's also in the Old Testament in in Leviticus. To love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, and soul, and your neighbor as yourself. Or as some rabbi friends of mine have said, they've translated that in Leviticus, your neighbor as your equal. That's a little bit, that's a little more difficult, isn't it? Your neighbor as your equal. 
And that's what you've been doing. Uh, these, these 18 months, this is what God has been doing through you. He's changing you. You know, we celebrated Pentecost a few weeks ago. And that's when the Holy Spirit came and said, and God said, now this is my church. Every person has my spirit in them and the power to do the church. And that was the beginning, the birthday of the church. And God is moving through his church in the world today. And I just want to remind you, God is changing the world through his church, not through Microsoft. <laughs> or not through General Motors, although they're not doing so hot, are they? But he's chosen to change the world through you. His Holy Spirit in you. We feel very insignificant. Oh, that can't be me. But God is doing that. And so as I look at the future of Celebrate, I see some very creative, marvelous things that God wants to do in and through you. But I just want to, when you decided that you wanted to uh, care about people, you were already caring, but you're saying, oh, we're, we're struggling, we don't know what to do, but we're still going to care about other people because we're going to love our neighbor as ourselves." And you chose to continue loving the people in Liberia the country of Liberia. Do, and if we have the picture of the map uh, up there, we can go ahead and put that on. The country of Liberia in Africa, and you can see it's on the west coast. See that? See where the, it is? It's, a, it's a, a country, a population of four million people. Liberia is the country that after the Civil War in the United States, slaves, they returned slaves to Liberia. Many wanted to go back to Africa. And many were not from Liberia, but that became the place where ex-slaves from the United States were sent back to the country of Liberia. And it, they began to develop the country. And it became a wonderfully developed country over these many years. In the early 90s, and I know we have Liberia people here in, this, in the congregation, I'm so grateful for them, and they can give you some very terrible stories that took place during that time, but yeah, there you are. I see you right there. Give him a hand. Yeah. <laughs> yes. English was the language in Liberia, although there are tribal languages, but English is the, is the major language there. And Liberia prospered. In fact, just yesterday at the airport in Chicago, I started talking with a woman who was from Ghana. And I said, oh, yes, I've been there in Liberia and Sierra Leone. She said, oh, my gosh, Liberia used to be the most developed country in Africa. It was. And people would go to Liberia and say, I've gone just a little trip to little America. It was so well developed. But a terrible civil war broke out, and it was overpowering issues, and I won't get into all the issues of it. It was a terrible, bitter civil war, and it was terrible. Atrocities such as you have never seen. The entire infrastructure destroyed. Everything destroyed. Children out of school for years and years and years and years and years. No opportunities. Um, and, and the war went on and on for years and years, and, and amputations took place, and children were conscripted into the army as child soldiers. So just think about somebody walking in your home, taking your seven-year-old boy, and saying, we're making at gunpoint, and we're going to give him an AK-47, and he can go out and kill whoever he wants. We're going to give him alcohol at night to sleep, and we're going to give him cocaine in the day to keep him going. How would you like that for your child? And I even saw... I had heard, I didn't see these people, but later I heard that they would take many of these little child soldiers and 
cut a slit in their, in their cheek and store cocaine there. And then they could get the cocaine out and take it. They were totally controlled. How would you like it if someone moved into your, walked into your house with guns and said, we're taking your daughters as sex slaves to the rebel soldiers? That's, what, that's the kind of life. Or the husband, we're going to mutilate your husband so that he can never work again. All, it was atrocious. It was evil. The height of evil. This went on for years and years. One Sunday morning at a church in Monrovia, which is the capital city, this woman by the name of Lee Mae Bowie said, and she had about seven people in her Sunday school class that morning, and she said, we're tired of this. We're tired of being raped. We're tired of our children being taken as child soldiers. We're tired of our girls being taken as sex slaves. And we're tired, and we're going to make something happen. Now, just think about this. You had these big armies. You had all of this. You had all of this, these guns. You had all of this stuff, and the rest of the world wasn't doing anything. And there it was. And these seven women decided they're going to take it on. Now, that's ridiculous, except for the power of God. And these seven women, and my brother here can, can verify this, these seven women decided the first thing they were going to do, they were going to go out and get as many women as they could. Now, women, weren't not, they didn't have any guns. They didn't have any power. They didn't have anything in that country. But these seven women began to get hundreds of women to go to the fish market, which is a big place there in Monrovia on the ocean, the fish market, and sing and pray all day long. Now think about the power. Think about that in the Old Testament. Remember when, when there was a big battle and God told, told the, the uh, people, uh, send out the singers first. Don't go out with your chariots. Send out the singers first. And they won the battle. The singers won the battle, not the chariots. And that's what these women did. And hundreds and hundreds of them would go, all dressed in white, all the time. They went to the refugee camps. They got women all over. And they went. And then finally they realized, hey, wait a minute. These talks are happening up in Ghana, but we're not there. And they decided they were going to move themselves into the peace talks that the UN was doing. Now, the UN didn't want all these women, many, many, many illiterate women. They didn't want them. After all, they're smart, smart men. They know everything. <laughs> Guess what? Those hundreds of women crashed the UN peace meetings in Ghana. And they went in there and they said, we are going to have peace in our country and we're going to get back to, we're going to live, be able to live a peaceful life as God wants us to, etc., etc." Well, guess what? The women, those seven women that started this, it is credited that they are the ones that ended that bitter war in, Sierra Leone, in Liberia. And in 2011, Lee Mae Bowie was presented with a Nobel Peace Prize. The world recognized that. And I say, my friends, and she will say today, and she, if you want to know more about that, you can look at the documentary, Pray the Devil Back to Hell. I love that name of that documentary. And you can just get it on, on your TVs. Pray the Devil Back to Hell. And that's exactly what they did. And that's the country God's called you now as we're rebuilding and putting things back together. Still, 60% of the children are not in school. And I just thought Keith and I were talking about, wouldn't it be great if Celebrate could say, hey, wait a minute, we're going to change that percentage. We're going to get children educated. And what you just did 
you just did is we have, you have, we've got 88 children sponsored in Liberia from the church here, and I think we can get a lot more, but we're now redoing eight schools that have now over 400 children in them, and uh, we're getting electricity in the school, you're getting, uh, and, and these schools have been existing, and these children sitting on, on, on concrete blocks, and I want to tell you that the, when they did their test scores, these children in these schools, their test scores were 40% higher than those in government schools that had desks. <laughs> So these are bright kids. These are bright kids. These are kids who want this. And so when the funds came in to begin to do all the work that you're getting ready to do in the schools and a smart box, as it's called, it has a, it's a, like a big computer, but you don't have internet there. So it loads all the encyclopedias and loads all the books and all of this. So they have all of these opportunities. The country director cried when the money came for that. And he said this. When I see a child in Gondor or Larry Marshall's school, which you are doing, walking to school on bare feet, nose running, looking weak and malnourished, I simply see a reflection of my past self. And all that comes to my mind is how they might, they probably did not have a meal or even slept on a cup of porridge after a whole day of toiling. And that's the lens from that I see God's wisdom for practical solutions on everything that relates to a poor person. And another reason I've chosen to selfishly serve, selflessly serve humanity as my mission during the appoint opportunity God has granted in my life. What happened with him, someone came along and became a mentor. Someone came along and granted him education. And he was able to live, and now he is our country director. You'll be, you're working directly with him. I'm going to work out for him to give a video to you uh, so you can meet him, a great man of God that is working there. He understands because that's who he was, and so his heart is there. But I want to tell you what else you have done, and if you can put up that, video, or that slide with just some numbers. You, we started two years ago, and we did 10 wells in 10 communities, and here we have... 725 new believers in Jesus from those from the Jesus film. And then um, we have, um, uh, then we, you, the work you just did in Peace Island. And then during COVID, uh, COVID hit Liberia. They had to shut down. It was locked down. Couldn't get the rigs out at all. They had curfews. And I was on the phone with the man who's the head of all of the World Evangelical Alliance for the whole continent of Africa. And I said to him, what, is, what do you need? And he said, you know what we need? We need water. We can't wash our hands in dirty water. I didn't even think about that, you know? We're here all the time washing our hands. My kids are always calling me. Mom, did you wash your hands today? I thought that was so dumb. My kid calling me, did I wash my hands, you know? <laughs> and the role reversal there that took place, you know? Um, and then I realized if the, COVID is there, if they can't wash their hands. And so you helped us. And so they decided in, in Liberia, we would rehab wells that had been broken. Just go through the community, particularly in Monrovia, the capital city, rehab wells. You helped us rehab wells. And with that, 25,000 people received water and hand washing stations. Now, I want to tell you, do the, the numbers are up there. You have reached a total of set for people for water, a total direct, now this is a direct beneficiary, 73,106 people. 
But when we look at that number, then we multiply that by three because we look at the total impact. So you have given water to over 200,000 people. Isn't that the population of Sioux Falls? Clean water. That means they'll live. That means their health will be better. That means that women can go to school, that little girls can go to school because they're the ones responsible for getting the water. That means the whole community has changed. And let me just tell you one personal thing. Our, they did a study in Liberia, and I've, I've, then I've heard these, these women have come up to me and said these things. Before the well came in, 30% of the children under five died every year. After one year of clean water, 1% of the children under five died. My friends, this means that you have saved, we can't begin to count the number of lives if you look at 200,000 people with water and how many lives have been changed. This is what Jesus has called us to do. God, his people. He's called us, and that's what you're doing. And I cannot thank you enough as we move forward and begin to get all the information as we move forward and all that you're going to do. You see, you celebrate are on a new trajectory. God's doing something. I'll never forget when I was in Egypt and the pastors, uh, and it was right after the Tahir Square and all the people that had been killed, etc. And one of the pastors then said to me, well, Joanne, the, the Arab Spring broke our imagination of what God can do. I thought, oh, my, their imagination is, I got to think of something to help them, to encourage them. And then finally, one of them raised their hand and said, Joanne, I think you haven't exactly heard what we mean by that. You see, since the Arab Spring, four million Muslims have come to Jesus. God, God broke our imagination because it wasn't big enough. And I'm praying God breaks your imagination. <laughs> that it can expand to what his imagination is for what he wants you to do. And it's going to be different. You're not going to be like all the other churches. And I'm praying that Celebrate becomes literally the DNA that runs clear through the entire Wesleyan church denomination and beyond. It becomes a model out there for what God wants to do in his church this day. And I can't get away from Isaiah 43. You need to read the whole chapter. I'm not going to do that today. But the one piece that I love, he says, God says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. And that's what you're doing. Back when I was transitioning from the kids' ministry to church planning, there was kind of a bit of a season where I had a foot in both worlds. And I was trying to leave the kids' ministry and trying to leave it well. As many of you know, I've given my heart and soul to that ministry for several years and was very passionate about it. But knew God had called me this community and, and church planning, and, and I had this moment where we had a meeting one day, and, and I had left that meeting kind of frustrated. I don't know if that's ever happened to you before, where you've been frustrated when you leave a meeting, and, and I was just, it was just in my spirit that it just wasn't quite right, and 
And at that moment, um, I don't suggest this, by the way, but I just flopped open my Bible and I just said, all right, I need something from God's Word. Now, and be careful that you do that. Don't always do that, right? But, but I did that at that moment. And, and no kidding, at that moment, Isaiah 43 had just popped open right on my Bible. The, the passage that Dr. Joanne just put on, we're going to put it up right here on the screen. I want to read it to you. Isaiah 43, 18. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. And now it springs up. And why I share that with you is at that very moment, as I read that passage, I heard as very clearly from God as I possibly could. He said, Jeff, your time in the kids' ministry is over. That season has passed. And I've called you to something new. And it was in no way a negative thing. It was a very positive. Jeff, you've done some great things. You've done very positive things with the kids' ministry. And you've taken it to new places, but now I have something new for you. And so you need to let that go. You need to let that chapter close. And why do I share that with you? Because from that moment forward, church, I have never looked back once. I've known that I've known that God had called me to this place, and I'm so grateful for that. And so when Dr. Joanne shared that passage, it just, it just jumped in my heart when I first heard it. And I wanted to share that with you today because here's where I'm going with this, church. It's a new day. It is a new day in our church here in Yankton. And I'm so grateful for all the things that have happened over the past few years. I'm so grateful for what God has done and the amazing things that we have seen. But today is a new birth. And we're starting a brand new series like we've been talking about called Happy Days. And as we're going through this, we're making a play on that classic TV show, if you remember, from the, from the 70s and 80s, where we just showed at the, at the interview there, or at the countdown there. It was a time of great distrust in our country, a great distress. The Vietnam War, Watergate, inflation, all those things. And, and Gary Marshall said, we just want to have a show that just goes back to the good old days, to the happy days of, of our past. And we just want to enjoy that with motorcycles and girlfriends and hanging out at Arnold's and, and all that things. And, and, and that's what we're basing this series on. But, but as I've been saying to you, we're looking at it in a different way. Because as Gary Marshall said, we need to look back at the past and we need to go back to the, to the good old days and beforehand. I, I disagree with that. I believe we need to move forward. I believe today is a new day. And, and Dr. Joanne mentioned it again. Last year has been difficult for all of us. It, it, it's been a struggle. There's been, there's been trials. There's been tribulations with COVID, with the election, with racial tension. It's been a difficult time for us all. But church, I just want to tell you something. I'm done with the past. Amen. Today's a new day. I'm ready to move forward. And our tendency is to look back, but we need to look towards God. And throughout this series, we're going to be talking about a word called joy. And joy isn't an emotion you feel, it's an attitude you choose. And so today, we're going to look ahead to a new thing. And our joy is going to be in Jesus Christ. You know, the guy who came down to earth, <laughs> born as a little baby, gave his life on this cross for us to have life eternally. Saved me from all my sins and the hopeless state that I was in. Has redeemed me, has called me to be called his child. Has saved me and has given me a mission to share that love with the entire world. That's the Jesus I'm talking about. And I just want to ask you a question. What was your problem again? Why can't you have joy? Can, can, can you see what that does to our Jesus when we say that? And you might say, well, well, Pastor, I, I look out at all the problems we're having with politics and, and, and all the turmoil in our country today, but my Jesus is King of Kings, Lord of Lords. His kingdom will never end. And, and I've said this so many times. I, 
It doesn't matter who's in the White House. It matters who's in my house. And in my house, I'm going to serve my God. And you might say, Pastor, well, there's so much death and there's so much destruction. There's so much hurt and there's pain. Do you remember that my Jesus overcame that? Did you know that the goal of the Christian faith is to end your life and go to heaven and be with Jesus? Why are we afraid of that? Why do we fear that? Why can't we embrace that? Well, we fear persecution. If I stand up for my faith, if I, if I say who I am in Christ, I might face persecution. I might face trial. I might lose friends. I might lose my job. And you know what my Bible says? That's the joy set before us that we do that. We count it a privilege when the world rejects us. Why are we afraid of that? You might say, Pastor, I don't have the financial security. God, it's been a tough year and I'm losing money. I don't have the finances. And yet my Jesus says, look at the birds in the air. They don't worry about that. Look at the flowers in the field. They don't worry about that. And my God cares so much more about you. Church, if I can just say it this way, it's time for God's people to stop looking back. It's time for us to stop looking around. It's time for us to start looking up. And so we're going to do that in this series called Happy Days. We're going to go through the book of Philippians. And for the next eight weeks, I'm going to kind of give today as kind of a vision, and then we're going to unpack it for the next eight weeks. We're going to walk through this book together. Just to set it up for you in case you're not familiar with Philippians, it was written by a guy named Paul, who was a church planner, just like me, who went around all the countries planting different churches. He went to a city in Philippi, and he planted a church there. And as Paul is writing this, he is chained to a Roman guard. He is serving under house arrest that is awaiting what we eventually his execution for his faith in Jesus Christ. And he writes it to this church in Philippi. And I'd encourage you, if you want to write this down, Acts chapter 16. That's the story of Paul actually going to Philippi and the, the crazy things that happened there and the movements that happened, just to kind of set that up for you. I won't unpack it right now, but here's what I want you to understand about this book of Philippians. It's not a book. Look at somebody and say, it's not a book. It's not a book, right? We, we think about the Bible. We think about it as a book. I want you to think about this differently. This is not a book. This is a letter from a pastor who loves his church. And he wants to say, listen, I just want to share with you the love that we have and the journey that we've had. And church, as you know, I've been, I always work ahead in my messages, and, and I can't wait to get to this Sunday because I've been so excited about this book. Because as I've gone through this series myself, this is what I want you to hear more than anything. This letter is be what I would write to you as your pastor. If I were to write to you what God has put on my heart the last three years and the joy and the love that I have for you, I would write what Paul wrote to his church back in Philippi so many years ago. And I feel like it totally translates so well because the key word again, and you might want to write this down, throughout this book as we go through this, it's going to be the word joy. Joy is the key to the book of Philippians. It's called the book of joy, or I'll say it again, the letter of joy of a pastor to his church. And joy is not an emotion. Happy, we can feel happy, we can feel happy, we can feel sad. Those emotions go up and down. Joy is an attitude we choose to have. No matter what the world says, no matter what our circumstances say, we can have an attitude of joy, and that's what the book of Philippians has. So again, by way of introduction, I'm just going to walk you through a few of these passages, and then we've got something cool to do. But verse 3 in chapter 1. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, 
I always pray with you with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Church, when I think of you, and I think of each one of you, I thank my God because of you. And in all my prayers, with great joy, that word, because of each one of you personally, your partnership with the gospel, many of you from the first day we started until this day. And I believe that my God, who started a good work in you, and who started a good work in this church, and who started a good work in our community, will be faithful to complete it in Christ Jesus. Amen. You see how this series is a little different? We're not reading a book from the Bible. We're reading a letter from the heart. Go on to verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending the gospel and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. I mentioned this before. Paul is writing this. As he is awaiting his own execution. He has no idea, and he'll go on to say that later, if he'll ever see these people again. But can't you hear the love? Can't you hear how much he desires these people? Do you know what that feeling is like when you love somebody so much? And you can't be with them and you're separated from them. Church, if that were me, that would be my heart for you. How much I love each one of you. And how much God's grace can testify how I long to be with you. And see the heart of what's going on there is fellowship. The love that we have for each other. The love that we have together as a church. No matter what comes, no matter what storms come, how we stay together. And we're going to talk about that. I won't preach the whole series. I'm getting tired. And I want to do the whole thing. But it's the love. It's the unity that we have for each other. That's what Paul's asking. And then Paul goes on to pray a prayer. And I'm going to read this for you. But church, listen. I'm not going to read you a scripture on the screen, although it will be on the screen. I'm going to pray this. This is my prayer for you as our church as we go through this series. So as I read this, I'm going to pray this to my God. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. To the glory and praise of our God. Amen. Church, that's my prayer for you this series. As we go through it. That our love would abound more and more. And I can say this. I know those of us who are live streaming. Are, I know we don't have a live stream right now. So I appreciate um, you guys watching this. But I'm just going to say to the people in the room. I can look around this room. And I can honestly say every person in this room. I love dearly. So much. And I want each one of you to know this. I pray for each one of you every day and your families because I love you and I love you and I want you to grow more and more like Jesus Christ not Jeff Todd <laughs> don't grow more and more like Jeff Todd grow more and more like Jesus Christ and if I've ever been a blessing in your life if there's anything that I've ever done to be a blessing to you please hear this it's only because of my Jesus through me and the love that he's shown me that I can now show to you and hope to continue to do just as Paul said, church, I love you. I love being your pastor, and I'm excited for this journey. So now, who wants to have some fun? 
Yeah. Oh, I got a few. <laughs> yeah, this series is going to be fun. I, I don't know when, when, when we decided that it, at, when you come Sunday morning, it looks like you've got to have a spiritual enema, okay? Like, we, this is God's church. We're supposed to lighten up. We're supposed to have some fun in God's church. And that's what we're doing today. So I'm going to give you guys a summer challenge that we're going to do together every single week. And we're going to have fun with this. And you might want to write this down. If you've got your note sheets, there's only one thing to write down today, okay? And I want to give you this to write this down. This is the, we're calling it the Happy Days Summer Challenge. I know summertime, there's a lot of you know, uh, vacations, a lot of things. All that stuff is great. But I'm going to give you the Happy Days Summer Challenge. And here's what it is. I want you to read the letter to the Philippians. That's it. I want you to read the letter to the Philippians. Now, I, I, I want you to know, it's short. It's only four chapters. And as you read it, it's, it's, it's pretty quick read. Um, the other thing I'm going to recommend is version. As we always talk about, if you don't have a Bible... Download use version. It's a free app. There's a button on there that has a play button. It'll read it to you. If you do that, each chapter is a little less than four minutes. Okay? So basically, if you have five minutes a day to push play, okay, you can do that. If you take 15 minutes, you can literally listen to the entire letter to the Philippians in 15 minutes. Once, and you can, you can almost do it every day. Right? And so here's what we're going to do. I'm excited for this because um, go ahead and go to that next slide. This is the Happy Day Summer Challenge. So we're going to put some feet to this, church. We're not just going to talk about it in theory. We're going to put some feet to it. This is actually a survey. And at, as of today, this is going to be a link on our website. It's also going to be posted on Facebook. If you'd like it sent directly to you, text or email, you can text or email me, and I'll send it directly to you. But this is how this is going to look. Every Saturday, when? Every Saturday. For the next eight weeks, what I want you to do is I want you to go to this link. I want you to put in your email address, and I want you to answer that very simple question. How many times did you read the letter to the Philippians this week? And we're going to start today and go through Saturday. That's going to be the week, right? Saturday to Sunday. Does that make sense? So every week, just go in there and push one of those buttons. Now, you might say, I have seven in there. Can I read more than seven times? Sure. Right? We just won't count. Okay? But, but here's where I'm going with this. Every week, can you go ahead and say, how many times can I read the, book, the letter to the Philippians. Now, a couple things I want to make sure that we're clear about. All right? Number one, I'm not going to share your name and how many times you read. Okay? So don't feel guilt. Don't feel competition. This is not a competition. Don't feel guilt. But I want to see how many times, as a church family, we can read through this letter to the Philippians. So I'm just going to give you some examples about this. Let's just say that, like I said, five minutes a day. Let's say you go every day or maybe six days a week. Five Five minutes a day, listen to it. You can read it twice in one week. So you come to Saturday, you click the little two button, right? Boom, put my email address, done. Every week when we come here, we're going to list not who, okay, remember, not who, how many people and how many times. And we're going to track it. How many people, how many times. Every week we're going to have a little scoreboard to show, and, and we want to see that because we want to have fun with this, right? This is not, again, it's not a competition. It's not a guilt. It's just because we want to say, hey, what can we do? But you know me, right? You guys know me pretty well, okay? I'm your pastor. We can't just do something like this and not, not turn it into something, right? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a goal. Now, why do we have a goal? Because I believe in goals. I believe in the statement. You've heard me say this before. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Okay, I'm going to say that again. So let's fix it. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit nothing every single time. You should have a goal that you're aiming for. So I've been in prayer about this. And I've asked, I said, okay, God, what should our goal be? 
as a church, what should our goal be? So here's what our goal is going to be. Over the next eight weeks, can we read the letter to the Philippians 300 times? Now, you might say, Pastor, that's a big goal. Wait, 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 wait. Now, if we have 20 people in this church twice a week for eight weeks, that will blow that 300, not 300 away. See what I'm doing with math on that, right? So can we do it? So you might say, okay, maybe I'll read it one, maybe I'll read it three times this week. Maybe I get it through three times this week, and next week I only get one time. Well, that's okay, right? Because that's two still, right? And for those of you who are watching online, those of you who are listening to the podcast, I would encourage you to be part of this too as well. We know there's a lot of people that watch every week, that listen every week. We just need your email address and the number of times, and you can be part of the game where we decide how many times we can go through the book of Philippians. This summer. Now, I know what you might be thinking. There's two things you might be thinking. Number one, you might be thinking, Pastor, I don't need one more thing to do. Okay? I have plenty of stuff to do. I'm already doing, I'm already doing, I'm already doing, I don't need one more thing to do. And I'm going to push back on that for a second. So do I. Okay? I've got a lot of things going on. And, and I'm not standing here, please don't, I'm not saying this to bring attention to myself. What, what I'm trying to say here is listen, I've got stuff going on too. But for the last two weeks, I've committed to doing this myself. Because I'm not going to ask you guys to do something I'm not going to do. And, and I didn't take something away. I still do my sermon prep. I still do my daily Bible time. This has been over and above in addition to that the last two weeks. Because God told me very clearly. He said, Jeff, don't you dare stand up there and tell your people to do something if you ain't willing to do it. So I know you can do it. Even if it's just five minutes a day, I know you can do it. And some of you might take the challenge and go 15 minutes a day. That'd be pretty cool, huh? We get that 300 pretty quick. But, but whatever God's calling you, don't feel guilty about it. Okay? And, and on Saturday, you might get a little reminder from us on Facebook or maybe an email. Don't see that as a guilt trip. Even if you've gone the whole week and you're like, oh, I've gone the whole week. It's Saturday. I haven't done it once. Do it one time. Right? Do it one time. Overall, that'll do it. So that might be the first thing you're thinking. Now, here's the second thing you might be thinking. second thing you might be thinking is, okay, is that all we care about? Right, is all, all we care about is just hitting that number? No. Why are we doing this? Because I believe that we need to understand joy. I think that we need to grasp the concepts of what Paul is saying in here. And, and I want you to immerse yourself in it. And we're going to unpack it every single Sunday. And I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to do what I do. I'm going to preach my guts out based on what God has shared in this passage. But I want you guys to really grasp this idea of joy. Because I believe it can change our church. And I believe we're going to have some fun with it too. And, and not just to say, hey, I want you to be in God's word. I want you to understand it. I want you to grow through it. I want you to come and maybe be connected with a life group and walk through it together and unpack those messages because that's what God's kingdom is about. Building God's kingdom is saying, hey, I'm going to start with myself. And I'm going to immerse myself in God's word. And this simple, fun way that we can do this together. And then every Sunday, we're going to come together and we're going to join in worshiping God together. And, and follow this together, too, as well. And I just want to say one more thing as I get ready to close. As we get ready to pray. Um, as you're doing this, there, there might be some temptation to, to maybe, maybe cheat a little bit or maybe not be honest. Don't do that. Just, just be honest. If you don't, if you blow it, don't make it. Just, just put it in there. Don't worry about it. But, but here's what I really want to say, get at is, is when you come in here on Sunday morning, I don't want you to feel guilty. I don't want you to feel oppressed or anything like that. What I really want you to feel is I really want you to feel that joy. 
See, when you come on Sunday morning, if, if you struggle making it here or if there's kind of a heart in your attitude that says, oh, I'm not sure I want to do this, you really need to push into that. Now, if you're new in your faith, just continue on because I know God wants to tempt us to not show up sometimes. But the other thing that I would say is if you've been part of the church or you've been following Christ for a while and you wake up Sunday morning and you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this today, I would really push in on that. Because I think that there's something deep down that we need to recognize and understand. And, and walking in here, and here's my point in saying on this church. This is the, my favorite part of my whole week. When I come in that door on Sunday morning, when I get to see your faces, and I get to unpack God's word with you, it brings me great joy. And if that's not the case for you, we need to push into that. We need to see what that means. Because I want you to have that same joy, and I hope that doing this together will help engage that. So let's go ahead and go to time of prayer. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of our God and Father. And Jesus, I thank you for the joy that you've given me to be part of this church and to love this amazing group of people, God. And for all those who might be watching online or listening to our podcast right now, God, I pray that if they're not connected to a church, that this would be the series that they take to that step of faith. And maybe they come or, or maybe they start attending. God, I pray that there's people in our lives who might see the joy in our lives and say, what's going on with that? And we would take that step of faith and tell them why we have the joy. And it's because of you. God, I thank you that we're part of an amazing network of churches who, who get it. Who understand that today is a new day. And, and for the church to thrive in our country, we need to get back to what it means to really be the church. And that means to love each other. To pray for our enemies. And to stand unashamedly what your word says in obedience to what it says. And God, that as Paul prayed for the Philippians, that their love would just continue to grow with each other. And that power that's in the love and the unity that comes from that joy is greater than any wickedness we'll ever face in our life. God, I'm excited for this series. I'm excited for our summer challenge and for all of those times that your word is going to get into our heart, God, that you were just imprinted in our minds and our souls in a way that we've never seen it before. Whether it's the first time we've read it or the hundredth time, God, you would just speak a new thing. God, we thank you and we praise you and we ask all this in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you live in the Yankton area, we'd love for you to join us Sundays at 1030 a.m. at 310 Walnut Street. Or you can join us live online from our website, yankton.church, or our YouTube channel, Celebrate Yankton. If you'd like to grow more in your faith, check out one of our life groups that meet throughout the week. For a list of days and times, please visit our website, yankton.church. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and share with others.